0: This is Rabbi Neet Leah Sarna and Rabbi David Wolkenfeld. Shalom and welcome to The Straw Hat. We are the official podcast of Aceh Shalom Israel Congregation, an Orthodox synagogue in the beautiful Lakeview neighborhood of Chicago, Illinois. This week's episode, we will have two different sections one about this week's Parsha, which is Tezriya Mitzvah, and the second one about 20th century Jewish holidays that are coming up specifically. Yom Hazikaron, the day of commemoration for fallen Israeli soldiers, and Yom Haatzmaut, Israel's Day of Independence, and some suggestions about how to make those days meaningful at home as well. Um, we hope you enjoy the episode.
1: So, how was Pesach for you?
0: Super weird, but also, in, you know, in its own unique way, lovely. How about you? Uh,
1: weird and lovely is totally uh, the description I would go with. Uh, so let's, let's, can you dive in a little bit just briefly? What was weird about early?
0: It was weird to have a seder, just the, two seders, just the two of us. Definitely never done that before. Um, and, and just like three days of like mostly sitting on the couch, um, which I'm sure was not exactly your experience of those uh, <laughs> many days of Yom uh, Got a lot of reading done many piles of old newspapers in our house that are now in the recycling um and uh but you know like i've never not been with my parents and um and 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 usually we would be hosting lots and lots of people and and even just how do you cook for only two people free of It's like there must be at least three meals with 15 people you know (laughs) that was also all kind of strange
1: Uh, what about you yeah, so look, the the uh, lovely part was having um, holiday meals and studying that were focused on our children. Uh, that was special, and and uh, I, f- I feel like a gift that this horrific, strange time g- gave our family. And uh, the weird was not having guests, and not with family, um, not being shul. I really missed the special, like the Yom Tov uh, melodies that we um, say for the for the chagim, and that, that sort of.
0: I really missed Birkat Kohanim. I wasn't oh. even anticipating missing that uniquely. Oh yeah, you know we have a special shul melody for that too, right? Oh yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs>
1: yeah. So I, yeah, I, so I did. I didn't miss that, but I, I, I guess I should have. But I, I did miss the like uh, the bar khu of the the, the Yom Tov evening Baruch. So oh, you me. know for the for Pesach Sukkot and Shabbat, so unique and special. I, I really that I didn't anticipate that I would miss that. But when I opened my door to start the holidays, I was like, whoa, like that 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 was that was, I missed that. Um, We didn't quite do the Seder in two parts over Zoom, as we talked about on Erev Fest. We did, however, um, gather a few hours before Yentav started with our extended family and sang all the fun songs um, together. Uh, The kids sang Manishtana, and we sang Echad Niyodea and Chad Gadya in three locations uh, over Zoom, and, and that was a ton of fun. And then we also didn't have to sing them again that night. So that was good. So that was, <laughs> uh, that, that, was, that was really, a really great. Um, that worked out well for us. So that was really great. And and the other uh, thing I would say in the like good feeling was just knowing how much the community came together in the weeks before Pesach. Um, there's a term I, I've called, it's called you know, misplaced, um, misplaced nachas when you're proud of something that some, someone else did, else's accomplishments. It's like, I feel like i not you know, quite deserved. I don't know. So I felt a lot of that. Um, like the shul did a lot for a lot of people um, leading up to Pesach. I think more than is typical um, for us and, and just making sure that the catered sadarim were distributed and then the meals for last days for doctors and, and the, the shilas for, you know, the, all the questions that, Refielded about, you know, sort of new halachic circumstances for many people. Like, I just like the shul um, helped make this holiday possible for really hundreds of people under circumstances that could not have been anticipated or imagined like three weeks earlier. You know, so uh, I think yeah. that this is um, this is why one has a shul, and, and I, um, I think this was like a, you know, I, I think of this, this these these weeks as really um, like special. Like, the shul achieved a lot for a lot of people. Uh, during these times, and a lot of people stepped forward um, to make that that possible. So I feel grateful, and that misplaced nachas <laughs> that, uh, uh, that that also made going into the holiday just to see, you know a feel like I was able to relax on the holiday, uh, knowing that uh, like a lot had been done for a lot of people leading up to it, and uh, uh, that also was yeah. a, a good feeling.
0: Um. And and really like the Chesed committee mobilization has been truly outstanding, and and just watching people step up to help each other and call their buddies and make sure that people have food and ingredients and and all the specific things they need is like just really out of this world to watch, and it's so impressive.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I I've started this, you know the shul is a. Um, it's a counter-cyclical uh, institution. Uh, I think we need to step forward <laughs> and invest more and be more present precisely when things are hardest for people. Uh, like we're not a, it's sort of the nature of this institution. And I think that's been revealed in a very clear way in recent weeks. And I think will be revealed uh, moving forward as well uh, in ways that we probably can't yet fully anticipate. Um, but in the, in the medium term, we have a Parsha this week, <laughs> which... Uh, I thought we should speak of that. I want to say something about Tezriya. It's a lot to say about Tezria Mitzorah, but.
0: Yeah. I, when I was growing up, the, um, the show that I grew up at, the, the rabbi didn't speak every week and congregants would speak maybe half the month and it would always be dermatologists, Tezriya Mitzorah. <laughs> that was like the dermatologist week um but i think in some ways that's um meaning it was great and the dermatologists were full of wisdom and and lovely wonderful torah people but um well, some of
1: them might be listening right now so
0: <laughs> yeah i was gonna say no like no complaints but but i think if you always cast these parshiot as like oh what well, what is this you know like with, with like a scientific lens um it, you you there's a lot there's a lot to miss just to finish um, that the
1: opening topic is sarat a skin affliction right so that just a
0: Oh, right. Yeah.
1: Not to skip that, right? clarify. Not to jump to it, right? <laughs> so that, hence the dermatologist, but that also is, I guess, it, assumes, it presumes a lot about what Surrat is or was, right? To have a dermatologist speak about it.
0: Yeah. So in any event, one of the interesting things that happens with the, the person, the, the mitzora, the person who has um, this skin affliction, which by the way is not uniquely a skin affliction, it can also be on your house, it could be on your clothing um things like I that but you asked
1: um, a uh realtor to speak at parashat's unit
0: <laughs> sarah yeah exactly you're someone who or like, like a dry cleaner like a home inspector right. Right? all <laughs> the awful things that you can uh find inside of the walls <laughs> of the house I'm sure it's a horrifying opportunity <laughs> anyways so when but when a person has it on on their on their body and and they get declared you know they get they get inspected by a cocaine um and by the way, in last week's part the in Shmini, you have you get your first glimpses of like how expansive the role of the priest really is, um, because you sometimes imagine, like you read the Torah and most of the time the priest is sprinkling blood or like bringing this sacrifice or that sacrifice. And in Shemini, you get just two little verses about um, the, the job of the priest being also to differentiate between purity and impurity and also to be a teacher about the various laws of the Torah to the whole people um, in, in a way that, that helps you understand, like, what are they doing the rest of the time? Because not all the priests are, like, serving in the temple full time, and they don't own property. So so that the, the answer from Shemini seems to be that that they're they're there kind of as public servants um, and teachers in the eyes of the Torah. And so one of the things that they do in, as part of their public service is that they, they inspect people for tzara'at and... Uh, once someone is declared or found to, to be a, a, a leper, to, to have tarat, to there's a procedure that they have to go through. And one of those is that they have to kind of go into quarantine and... They have to call out, I'm V'tamei Tamei tamei Ikras, is the verse, right? They have to call out, I am impure, I am impure. And I think I normally would have read that as almost like punitive, especially because when in rabbinic literature, you learn this out from the, the story of Miriam, when she gets tzarat, that tzarat is a punishment. For for people who behave you know wrongly, for people who maybe tell lashon hara, who who speak improperly or or things like that, and so you would have thought like oh it's embarrassing that they have to call out about their impurity, um and and that's kind of how all the traditional commentators read it, or, or at least that's how I would have read the traditional commentators reading it. But Rashi Rashi kind of just says mashmi ashu right? He has to make heard that he is impure. If you shumi and then people would separate from him, and Now I'm sort of reading it as, oh, maybe it's not punishment. Maybe it's that actually impurity is contagious, and you're doing a public service by telling people to to kind of keep their distance from you.
1: I want to like uh, it's not just that tuma is is contagious. It's also um, contagious is a is a word that we associate with disease. Tuma is a halakhic status that regulates a person's access to the beit hamikdash at one point and one's ability to eat and interact with you know, sacred foods at one point in in, in Halakhic history. Um, wh- 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 why is contagious the right word?
0: Contagious is the right word only in the sense that um, when if someone touches something that is, let's say like someone touches a corpse or something, like the highest level of impurity, and then another person, person number two, touches person number one who touched the corpse, um, they can contract an impurity from from that touch.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and so in, in the times of the Beit HaMikdash, people had to be a lot more uh, open about things that were typically much more private about just so that, you know, members of the household, uh, some of whom might be planning going to Beit HaMikdash or uh, eating some, you know, eating the Korban Pesach and, and others might be in a impure status and couldn't do that, would have to really disclose that um, in terms of the food they would be allowed to eat and would be eating with, with or without uh, other members of their household even and even where they sit, right? And, to say, you know, don't sit in that chair, you know, like, you know, I, I just sat there uh, and I'm, I'm tame. I'm Tamea, uh, and, and so I think that... Um... It
0: carries a, a pragmatism to it of you're trying to accomplish this goal of going to the Beta Mikdash, um, and I, I could get in the way of that, so I need to, like, inform you of... Um, the status of the various things that you could come into contact with right now, but without any real like shame, I, I, it's hard to yes. imagine that there's real shame involved in that.
1: I, I would hope not. I think not. And I think that's that's um, certainly at least one strong perspective on what tuma is. It's just about right. I mean, Rambam writes this explicitly that the, the 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 what the laws of tuma and tara accomplish is that it prevents us from having a casual attitude towards the Beit Hamidrash. You can't just you know and does not just walk into the Beit Hamidrash. You have to prepare to make sure you don't come into contact with anything that could make you Tame, which are very natural, normal bodily functions and things in the world that surround us all the time. It takes real consciousness to be able to go to the beta. And that's what the Torah is trying to, to generate. Uh, but there's no, there's no like moral valence to being Tame. It's, it's just a, it's a neutral status that probably most people always were most of the time or much of the time. And the the F the choice and the effort was to take, come out of that status for a particular, um, particular goal. So
0: Sometimes you can even become impure for like really noble reasons, right? Like we're we're in this time between Pesach number one and Pesach number two. But the reason why Pesach Shemi even exists, and maybe in a future podcast we'll talk more about that, is because um, people were impure because they were, in, I mean, the way we sometimes understand it is um, they were burying the dead. Right, and what what is yeah. more important? I Meaning, we, we call burying the dead chesed shalomet, like the the truest, purest form of doing chesed. That can't be like that can't carry a negative moral valence, even though it meant that they couldn't eat the korban pesach on time.
1: Yeah, yeah. Sarat maybe has a negative moral valence. It seems in the Torah, at least in certain in famous instances, to be a punishment for some sin. But that that that's not Tuma more generally. Uh, and um and Surat seems to be a kind of spiritual like a, a physical manifestation of something wrong spiritually right um and and really that's you know that's my my read of what what the condition is um but other forms of tuma are much more neutral or are entirely neutral or or even positive i guess' a, you, could, you could classify all the sources of tuma and some would be positive like caring bearing the dead and some would be uh, negative like um like surrat contact and then... with
0: the... oh yeah yeah. And right. then the neutral ones are like the ones from last week's parsha. Came into contact with a dead salamander. Yes,
1: totally neutral. It's
0: pretty neutral, yeah. more
1: yeah, neutral than salamanders.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, and right, um, and I guess like part of the reason why these are feeling very like resonant and challenging today is because often in our world, we kind of, we have this tendency, and, and that's like been decreasing in general, the stigma around medical conditions and talking about them and being public about them. But um, definitely when I grew up, like there would be, you know, people whose parents had cancer who like never spoke about it.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and I
0: think, yeah, and I, and I think that there's, there's a time, like now is the time to, to like really put that aside. Because A, it allows us to take care of the people who need it. Uh, I think we've even said this on the podcast before, but like, we want people to come and tell us, I'm sick, please help me, I need food, please dive in for me, Um, in whatever way that we can rally around people who are sick in our own communities. Um, And also that that we're kind of being called upon by the public health community right now to all regard ourselves as if we're carriers or if we're sick Um, and Mm to... and to kind of call out, you know, social distancing is, in some ways, like tummy you crowd like right. stay six feet away from me. Um, I'm wearing a mask. I'm whatever. Um, and so to really overcome some of the the stigmas that that might otherwise be associated with with health issues. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, so. Um... After Tezria Mitzahar, we have uh, uh, some other days in our calendar, which we're going to have to mark a little differently uh, this year than others. Yom HaZikaron, Israel's Memorial Day for Fallen Soldiers, Yom HaAzimut, the uh, anniversary of the establishment of the state of Israel. Um, you've experienced these days in Israel where these are just major public holidays, and uh, in America it always seems like a, like a pale echo uh, of, of how these days are celebrated in Israel, I guess, except for kids in day school, which I always feel as <laughs> a shame when you know, sometimes when we, you know, we, we we sometimes we teach our kids things in school because it's important. And sometimes when we teach our kids things in school, we tell them this is something that kids do and grownups don't, right? There's a very yeah. fine line, right, emphasizing something in in school that is not then in any way. There's no follow up <laughs> in, in, amongst adults. Uh, that that that's also a kind of lesson that we, you know, the whatever you call it, the hidden secret curriculum, it's called uh, as well. So I think these days have real. Um, they do have significance. Certainly, if you experience them in Israel, you, you know that and feel that. And, and I feel it's a perennial challenge to kind of connect to that in the diaspora when people are going to work and school. And I just would encourage everyone in your in like in all of us in our in our prayer life and and just in, in moments we can spend to think about the day and to to commemorate the fallen soldiers of Israel and to celebrate Israel. At least for our listeners, for people in our community, uh, in a religious context, as a day of Jewish significance, as a day of Jewish religious significance, as a day of thanking God for for this opportunity and, and that that the state of Israel represents for the Jewish people uh, in modern times.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, like, I, I think Yom Ha'at mood is a really interesting day, both in Israel and in the diaspora, because some people are celebrating it as a religious holiday, and some people are celebrating it as a secular holiday all on one day all together. And in Israel, often even through the same activities, meaning like everyone, I mean, on a normal year, this year presumably it will be quite different, um, but everyone's going out to barbecue, right? In Israel on this mm-hmm. day, that's like that. That's how you celebrate it. Um, uh, but for some people, that is like a deep act of like recognizing the miracle and celebrating the miracle that God wrought for the Jewish people on this day of er in you know in jewish history and for other people that's it's just like uh the same as how we might celebrate the fourth of july
1: correct correct exactly and and i i think actually uh, personally from a religious perspective that's okay (laughs) because i think the day yeah totally right that, that kind of it's a day that for me represents sort of the celebration of jewish peoplehood and uh that means kind of celebrating the Different choices that we make and how, to, how to, what the day means and being together in some way on the same common calendar, you know, kind of doing things together. I think I think is uh, I don't know, that's, that's also what the day is about. So so I think, I think that's that's a a great thing about the day as well. But I I, I, would, I also think it's um, important for religious Jews who relate to Jewish tradition and to Judaism through a prism of Torah and mitzvot to find ways to integrate the day into their Observance of its vote into their Torah study, so I think it's, you know, like a normal year to come to shul in large numbers for festive tefillah, and uh, you know, and, and certainly to have it, you know, to think about ways, you know, don't have time to, you know, may, many different suggestions, but ways to incorporate into the tefillah that one says even not in shul on that day, and uh, uh, to think as well about Torah messages of the land of Israel, and I think even more importantly, Torah messages of Jewish peoplehood, and and that. Um, and what we can do for one another and what we owe uh, one another.
0: Yeah. So just what we are going to be doing as a show, virtually together um, is we'll have, um, we'll gather together as Yom Hazi Karun, um, as like the day of remembrance wanes. Um, and we'll have a little bit of a memorial service and that will transition into um, a nighttime, call it like tefillah like celebratory, Prior service together, we'll distribute. Um, we have our show owns all of these Maxareem um, um, for these days, but obviously we're not going to use those. So we'll send out a PDF, hopefully, um, and, um, and everyone will be able to dive in together over Zoom at home. And then we're going to have a – last year we did this in person. It was so amazing, and I'm really going to miss it. But we're going to – the Ari and um, Lital Rosenberg are going to lead over our – actually over Facebook Live. So we'll be trying out Facebook Live, like uh, an Israeli sing-along. So that should be really fun, too, though. Next year, please, God, we'll gather together and do that in person. Um, and then just thinking about some other ways, you know, as you're trying to mark the day of Yom Ha'atzmut at home – um, I'm sure the schools will, you know, for people who have kids at home, I'm sure the schools will massively um, step up in this direction. But um, for people who don't, I one of my favorite things that happens in Israel on Yom and I had the privilege to go and see it in person um, one year, is Chidon HaTanach, um, which is the, the National Bible Competition. And it's really amazing. You see these high school kids from all around the world competing in their knowledge of Tanakh and it's religious kids and non-religious kids and some kids answer the questions in Spanish and uh, it's just like, and that's like what a piece of, of Yom HaTzu is, even even like a secular connection to Tanakh um, for for some of these kids and uh, going in person obviously was super thrilling. The year I went, Bibi Netanyahu's son actually had qualified for the finals. So he was sitting a few rows <laughs> in front of me. Um, Netanyahu was, and, and it was actually a little bit disconcerting because one of his um, like guards jobs was to sit like facing backwards. So he was glaring me down the entire time. Oh, unfair, like, oh, unfair. <laughs> oh <my God." laughs> but um, I didn't go as a participant. I went as an oh, audience see. member just to be clear. I wasn't okay, uh, I'm, I'm not I'm not impressive enough for that. Um but <laughs> but it's it's just really fun and you can you can watch old ones and I actually have no idea what's happening with it this year but if they're doing a virtual competition this year that might be worth a watch also.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a very it's a, one of these only in Israel kind of moments and uh it's something that really I think Jews all over the world can take pride in and, and watch and enjoy. And, and um, that's a really wonderful idea.
0: Yeah. So that's been a really fun thing. And then obviously also um, Hallel in the morning to add into your morning shahari too, we'll have said it communally um, or something similar to halal, communally at, at nighttime together. But um, when you have in chakra in the morning, you should definitely add that in. Um, and then I know um, Rabbi Walkenfeld doesn't doesn't believe in this, and it's not the Minagavar Arshol. but I really personally love the, the Haftara that's traditionally, or that not traditionally, I mean what's traditionally, but that, that it, some people associate with this day. So I'll also be uh, taking a look at that <laughs> on my own at home. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know if believe in it. I believe it exists. I, I, I
0: well, you hear it. Well, you hear it on the Eighth Day of Pesach, also. So we just read it. It's totally
1: but it, it's Nebuah of uh, Yeshayahu. I just don't say it on Yom <laughs> um, Conversation for a different time, <laughs> but uh, but it is a day that that has meant a lot to me religiously, and I, I think it's important to think through uh, how one should express that for those of us who um, express our Judaism through tefillah, which you know certainly anyone who's a normal shulgoer. I think you should these days also should be uh, days that are um, experienced through the prism of tefillah.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Straw Hat. Thank you as always to our producer, Haley Leventhal, for all of her hard work in making this happen. And, And a special thank you to her also for figuring out how we can do this remotely. We're using a new technology called Zencaster. And so far, it's been great obviously never as good as in person but we're doing our best over here Um, if you love this episode and have questions or feedback you should definitely shoot us a note a text an email a voice note we love all of those Um, and if you have negative feedback you should definitely give that negative feedback sarah give it leprosy and and send it away i hope you have a wonderful week thank you so much for listening